going to be learning the fourth Sicha for Parshish Yeshev, and it's also a Chanukah Sicha. The Sicha is going to be focusing on the idea of Mayim, um, as that the idea of Mayim is Tyra, and we're going to connect it to Yosef and his brothers, and Yosef was thrown into a pit which did not have any water, and we'll also, of course, connect it to Chanukah. So the Gemara tells us that on the, on the Pasuk, Babar Reik, by Mayim, so the Gemara says that Omer Rav Ka'ana, Dorosh Rav Nasan Bar Minyumi, Mishmedu Rabbi Tanchum, what's the Pshat, Maidi Chsi, Babar Reik, by Mayim? The Mashim Shunemar, since it says Babar Reik, any idea, Shemba Mayim, once you tell us that the bar is Reik, the bar is empty, of course it doesn't have any water. So why does the Pasuk need to say that the bar is empty and it didn't have any water? Of course not. So, so what's the pshat in the pasuk? It didn't have water. He's trying to tell you that when it says the pit was empty, it doesn't mean empty of everything. It means empty specifically of water. So the bar was empty, empty of water, it was empty of water. But there were other things in there, which were uh, snakes and scorpions. But even before we go on, the Mephorshim asked that Ruding threw Yosef into the pit because he was trying to save him. So why would he throw him into a pit? that has Nechashim Rakravim? Why would he send it if it has snakes and scorpions in it? So some want to answer that it's because they didn't know that they were there, because usually snakes and scorpions are hiding in cracks um, in, in the bottom of the pit, so they did not uh, know that it was there. Others want to say is that even if they did know that it was there, it wasn't for sure that he would die. So Ruben was just trying to save his life, giving him a chance really to survive. But it wasn't full with snakes and scorpions. There were some there, but Yosef had a chance to die, and that was what Reuben was telling them, we don't want to kill him with our own hands. We don't want to kill him by Mamish like slaughtering him. Either put him in the pit, he'll either starve, or maybe a snake will bite him, but we won't be the ones that do it directly. Okay, so anyways, so this is a, a Gemara from Mesech HaShabbos Tavchot and it's also mentioned in the Gemara in Chagigah, and it's in the middle of the Gemara, really, in, in, in Shabbos, it's about in the middle of the Gemara of the Sugi of Hanukkah. So why is the Gemara in the middle of the Sugi of Hanukkah mentioning this idea of Ba'i Yosef? So the Pashtas, the reasoning is because the previous Maimar Chazal was also in the name of Rav Kahana, it's Darshins, Rav Nasim, Bar Minyum, Shmei Rav Tachum, says, tells you that Ner Hanukkah, which is higher than 20 Amis, is not kosher. You're not supposed to light it higher than 20 Amis. Just like by Sukkah and Erevin, it's not supposed to be higher than 20 Amis. So once the Gemara mentions this name of Kahana, Darshning, the name of Rav Nassim, the name of Rabbi Tanchum, it, it, it gives another minor chazal of Rav Kahana Darshan in his name. And in the Gemara Chagiga, Rashi actually says that the Farish, it's the reason why it mentions the Vart of Rabbi Tanchum, it's because the, the prior Vart in the Gemara Chagiga was also in the name of Rabbi Tanchum. But the Rebbe says, we know that everything in the Torah is betachlas bediyik, and therefore it's not just because of its Zaytik in the Gemara is going to quote a Vart of Rabbi Tanchum, but rather because there's a Teichim Dikashaychus between these two ideas. So that was giving us a very, very deep concept over here that and usually when in the Gemaras you're going to see there's many times the Gemara goes from topic to topic to another topic and mentions someone's name and therefore it seems like it's going on a tangent just because it was, it was the same person said something else. Uh, so, so we're going to start going into that so good too. But that's the pastures, as we said, Rashi learns, and that's how the Rishonim understand it, that the reason why the Gemara will go into these, sometimes these side tangents, it's because it's somewhat connected to the Suga. It's the same person, they, they said it on the same day, stuff like that. 
So the Rebbe is telling us that it's actually deeper than that. That by the Gemara putting it together, there's actually a toichin, there's a connection between these, uh, the, the Gemaras. And if you look deep enough, you'll be able to see how both of these concepts are connected. So the Rebbe over here is going to connect it to the Sugi of Hanukkah in general, specifically to the Vart of higher than 20 Amis, that the Ner Hanukkah should be higher than 20 Amis, but it's going to connect it to the idea of Hanukkah. And he also brings down the Shalah that tells us that in the Parshias, that the Shalah in general says that the Parshias of Shavuah are always connected to the Yom Tevim that are Chal in that period of time. And the Shalah says it specifically by Parshias Bayesha, Nikitza she says there's a connection to Hanukkah because those are the three Parshias which always are Hanukkah's Chal uh, in one of those three Parshias. So Parshias Bayeshev is where this Pasuk is from, so the Shlach clearly says regarding Parshas of Yeshev, the Yeshev has a connection to Hanukkah. So now we're seeing again, besides with the Gemara connecting this idea of a bar rake in by nine um, to Hanukkah, also the, the Shlach is connecting that the Parsha, Parshas of Yeshev, and the Pasuk of a bar rake by nine, which is in that Parsha, also has a connection to Hanukkah. So the question, of course, is what is the, what, what is the Kashuk to Hanukkah? So the Pshat is, if we look, this, this Maimur Chazal, that a bar breaking by mind, but there's snakes and scorpions, it's also brought in the Medjish Rabbah. In the Medjish Rabbah, it brings two Mamari Chazal. First brings the one that we just quoted, and then it brings the second one. The second one is, it says, bar rake. It says, Nisreikin bar shall Yaakov. It says, what does it mean that the bar is rake? That the pit of Yaakov is, was empty. What is the pit of Yaakov? The pit of Yaakov means his children. So a well, a wellspring in, in, in Tanakh will find that uh, children are are um, referred to as as uh, like the spring, like the father is, is the spring, and then the, the water that comes from the spring are the children. We find that in, in Tanakh many times compares children to the 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 water that flows from the spring. So we're saying that the pit of Yaakov was empty means that Yaakov's pit, his children were empty. Where do they empty from? They're empty from water. And then what is water? In by mind, in by divaytar shenim shulamayim. So the Medrash says, what were they empty from? That Yaakov's pit was empty from water, meaning his kids did not have the Indian of Tyra. Pashtus, what's the Medrash telling us? That by the Acha Yosef kidnapping him and selling him, they were going over, they're being over on the Tyra. The Tyra says, you're not allowed to kidnap. And of course, they did kidnap him and sold him into slavery. So they did not have Tyra. So what this Medrash is doing, it's connecting, it's saying, that telling us that the idea of water means Taira. In B'chalal, we have the Maimur Chazal, this is from Tai, uh, Gemara and Babakama, tell us that a Maim al Taira Yosem. Gemara and Tainus, we have different Gemara's that tell us that Maim, when it's referred to in the Taira, Maim is always a remnant on the union of Taira. So what we're saying over here is that the bar rake in by Maim, that when the pit was empty, it doesn't have any water, what it's trying to tell us is that they didn't, since they did not have Taira, therefore there was Nechashach Rabin, which means is that when you don't have Taira, there's automatically, there's snakes and scorpions, there's things which are against the Taira. That's the idea. If you don't have Taira, then you have the things which are Menagin to Kedusha. And this is similar to the, the Vart of the Baal Shem Tev. The Baal Shem Tev says that, it says in the Passover, that you will turn away and you will serve other gods. So the Baal Shem Tev says, as soon as you turn away, what's the Pasuk saying? You turn, and then you're serving other gods. Why? Maybe when you turn, you're turn away from the entire mitzvah, that maybe you'll just do Tivrei Rishos. Why automatically the Pasuk says you'll turn, and then you'll serve Hashem, or you'll serve other gods. So the Baal says that when a person separates himself from Hashem, automatically he's Eved by desire. There's no, nothing in the middle. You're either serving Hashem or you're serving yourself. You're serving Eved by desire. 
and this, this idea is explained in Tanya Perkhoff in more detail, that in Tanya it tells us that that the the, the two dibbers, the first dibber Sushen, Sanechishem Lakah, Velayelha, are Kalolas Kalotaira, that Lehi is Kalo all the Ramachmits, I say, Velayelha Halokimachem, not to have other gods, is Kalo all the Shasamitsus Loisase. And the Tanya explains it's because every time a person does a mitzvah, he's unifying Hashem's name. He's saying that the only true Mitzvah is Hashem. When a person does an Avera, what he's basically saying is that there is something else besides of Hashem. So Avedah Zarah is every time you do an Avera, you're basically saying at that moment that there isn't Hashem, and therefore I could, I could go against what Hashem wants. And the truth is, every time you do something which is not L'Shem Shemayim, you're doing it for yourself, that's a Avedah Zarah Vedakas. Because when you're doing something for yourself, not Mitzat Hashem, you're basically seeing that there's another existence. There's me, I want certain things, and then there's Hashem. So you're saying that there's something else besides Hashem. So that's a type of Avedah Zarah that you're uh, believing that there's the, the, that, that not the only true existence is Hashem, but you believe that there's something else which is true, which is yourself. So that's an Avedah Zarah Vedakas. So the Baal Shem is saying the Sartan, that when you turn away and you start believing that there's something else besides Hashem, let's say yourself, you're automatically doing a Vaidazar, even if it's a Vaidazar, but Dakos, because you're saying that there's something else beside, uh, which, which is in existence besides Hashem. So, Huadin over here, when a person doesn't have Taira, automatically he is, he, he, he's, um, he, there's, he's Venagat to the Taira. And when you don't have that bit, when you don't have the Bitl, then automatically you're Venagat uh, to the Taira. So, what we're going to focus now on is to understand what that means, really a beer of that explanation. Back then two questions. First of all, what does it mean that if you don't have Torah, automatically you're against the Torah? The name of the work of the Baal Shem Tov makes sense, that when you believe that there's something else besides for Hashem, that's a type of Avodah But Why is it that if you stop learning Torah or you're not learning Torah, that automatically means, maybe that automatically means you're against Torah? Maybe you're just neutral. By, by Hashem, we're saying is that you're saying that there's another existence besides Hashem. So saying another, there's another existence besides Hashem, that means you're not recognizing Hashem's true being, that Hashem is the only one in true being and everything is really part of Him. So that there can't be anything which is in the middle. But why would that apply by Taira? There's Taira, and of course that's the greatest thing to learn. But why if you do something else, does that mean I'm against the Taira? Maybe I just want to do something else besides learning the Taira. So that might be a problem according to the Balshanta inside the Inyan of Sartre but why automatically is that something against the Inyan of Tyre? Second of all, we need to understand what the Medrash brought, that the Ache Yosef didn't have any of water, that the Nisroik in Be'er Shaliyakov, that the Ache Yosef didn't have water, the Ache Yosef didn't have Tyre. What is that supposed to mean? Of course they had Tyre. We learn, look at Rashi, we, we know that when the Malach tells, the Gabriel tells, uh, Yosef, that your brothers went to Daisa. Now Rashi tells us that they were Mavakish Nifle Dossos, that they're trying to get legal pretexts to be able to kill you. Meaning is that they were lo- looking through the Torah to try to figure out halakhically how he would be high of Misa. And if we look at the Mepharshim, like the Saparno and others, we'll go through a few of them, they actually tell us what the Cheshman of the Acha Yosef were. So the Saparno tells us that when the Pasuk tells us uh, that the Pasuk says that they were Mavakish Nikhlidosis uh, Lahamisav. Let me get the exact Lashon. It says, Hisnaku Ois Lahamisav. It says, when the brothers come, they were, they were 
planning ways of to be able to kill him. It's not Oisai that they came up with schemes to be able to kill him. That's how Rashi understands it. But the supporter understands it a little bit differently. He says, Asnaku Oisai La Misa, he says, is, is what they were saying about Yosef. Not that that's what the brothers were doing. He says that the word Oisai doesn't fit. It should have been Hisnaku Loi, or I love Lahamisa, that they were conspiring against him to kill him. Why does it say Hisnaku Oisai? They were Hisnaku him. What does that mean? So he says, he wants to say is that they were claiming Hisnaku Oisai. They were saying that Yosef was the one that had schemes, Lahamisai, that he had schemes to kill. So he's learning that Hisnaklu and the word Lamisa is what the brothers were saying about Yosef. That Hisnaklu Oisa Lamisa, that Yosef was the one. They were saying that Yosef was a Misnakil, and that Yosef had plans, Lahamisai, to kill. Lahamisai, that he had plans to kill others. And who, the, they, they, who was Yosef trying to kill? What were the brothers, Taina? They were saying that Yosef was trying to kill them. And just to, even before giving the shot of the Saporna, this Bart is, is not that far-fetched because we remember that by, by Yitzhak and Yishmael, there, there was a fight and we know that Yishmael tried to kill Yitzhak. We had Esau and Yaakov that Esau tried to uh, kill Yaakov. So it's not so far-fetched that we see that the brothers in Tyra, there was always this, uh, there was always a struggle and a fight between them and there was always a Shash Misha. So they were claiming that Yosef was trying to kill them. He was trying to get rid of his competition. Why? Because as we know, Yosef was saying Lashon Hara about his brothers. Yosef went to his father, was telling him that they did different averis, that they're doing Abraham and Achai, and they were calling the slaves, uh, the brothers slaves, and doing Gila Arias. And Yosef was going, was telling his father about these things that they were doing. So they were claiming that why was Yosef telling these Lashon Hara, which they said wasn't true. They, they were, of course, we'll go into that in a moment. What exactly was, what, what did Yosef see and, and what did, the brothers, what was their, what, what, what really happened according to the brothers. But either way, they were saying that, why is Yosef saying this Lashon Hara about them? The reason is because they want either, they want Yaakov to curse. He's trying to get Yaakov to curse the brothers. And he says, by Yaakov cursing us, that's going to cause us to die. Either by Elam Hazeh or by Elam Haba, that he's trying to kill us. He's trying to find some type of alila that will cause Yaakov to curse us. Or another shot he says is that they were they, they were scared that Yosef was trying to get them to do an avera. He was trying to find some way to be able to cause them to sin, and that would also cause them to lose Olam Haba. So therefore, we have a rule that when someone comes to kill you, Hashkim Baharvid, that when someone's trying to kill you, you have to quickly kill them. So since they were believed that what Yosef was trying to do, he was trying to be marshaled up, either by getting Yaakov to curse them or somehow to cause them to do an avera, and that would also cause them to be cursed or, or by punished by Hashem. Therefore, they said, we have to get rid of him. We have to, we have to kill him. And that's why he says that later on, when, when uh, the whole, you know, when they go down to Mitzrayim and the brothers go down and they have regret about selling Yosef, they don't say they regret selling him. He says, rather, they regret that when he was pleading to us, we didn't hear his pleas. They regret that they didn't have Rachmanis. What does that mean, the Soprano says? It means halakhically they didn't do anything wrong. They felt, and now is their opinion, that he was a writer. He was trying to kill them. But what they had regret was is that they, they should have still had Rahman Hassan. He was begging them to, to save him, and they didn't listen to him. He says, that's, that was our problem, that we lacked Rahman and that's why they, they felt we're being punished from Hashem. We have another interesting shot from the, the Orachayim. Orachayim says is that they said that he was an aid Zayman, meaning... Aid Zayman is when an aid, um, that the rule is that when an aid comes and testifies something falsely about 
of an individual. And then other Adim come and say that you're lying because you're with us in this and this place. So the halacha is that the aid Zoyman, this aid which was false, gets the same punishment that he tried to do to the defendant. So when the aid is found to be false, because other Adim come in and say that he was false because they were with him on, on that particular moment of time that he testified about, therefore we know for sure it was false. The rule is he gets the same punishment. So the Orachayim was saying, they, they, they judged him as Eid Zayim. But since Yosef was saying that they did Abram and Achai, they did Gil Arayis, and the halacha is that a ben that does Gil Arayis, so does Abram and Achai, is Chayv Misa. And also the rule by ben is you don't need two witnesses, you just need one. So by ben in their courts, you need one aid to testify, and that can cause, so let's say they would have had one aid testifying that the brothers did Abram and Achai, and they were found guilty, they would be Chayv Misa. In the in the in the in the in the based in the shame behavior. So since Ye- Yosef was going to the father, they're saying he's an aid Zayman. He's trying to get them to be found guilty. Uh, uh, the doesn't say this clearly, but it sounds like to, to take it one step further because we know he definitely told his father. Maybe they were also worried uh, that he was that he did or was going to take them to an actual court. I'm not sure, but either way, they judged him as an aid Zayman, and therefore he gets the same punishment that he was trying to do to them. So since they judged him as aids in that he, they were, he was trying to get them killed by saying that they did Gila Rice or even Menachai, therefore he was Chai Misa. Uh, we have the precious Drachim, who, who gives us a, a very, very fascinating discussion what the argument between the Ache Yosef were and Yosef. The precious Drachim wants to say that they had an argument, what was their halachic status? Yosef felt that they had the halacha of a of a Yisrael, the halachas of aftermath and Tayyar, the Chumrah. Meaning is they had both the halachas of a Ben Dayak and a Yisrael. While according to the brothers, they were B'nai Yaakov, they were B'nai Yisrael. They, they had to follow the halachas as they would be aftermath and Tayyar. So according to Yosef, they had to follow the halachas of a Ben Dayak. But basically, they were Ben Dayak. They had the halachas of a guy. But the Chumrah, they could you know, take on more Tayyar mitzvahs and, and follow the halachas of how it would be aftermath and Tayyar. But that's something in addition. Their rule is a ben dayach, and then they could take on additional things uh, as they so pleased. But according to the brothers, no, they, they had the halacha of a ben Yisrael. So therefore, the halachas that they need to follow is the same halachas that would be after Matan Tayyar. Why is this relevant? He says this is relevant because by, the Abram, by, by Abram and Achai, there's a rule that when you shecht an animal, and it's still jumping around, it's mefarkesis, it's still jumping around, the nerves are still there. So Allah is that by Yisrael, once he does the shrita, the animal is considered dead. And even if it's jumping around, it is considered dead, and therefore you're allowed to eat it right away. But by a goy, it doesn't have this concept of shrita. So by the goy, even if a goy, if a goy does shrita on the animal, and it's being farkasi, he's not allowed to eat it because it's still considered eidmerdakai until it actually stops moving. So what was the argument between Yosef and his brothers? Yosef was saying that you shecht with an animal, and the thing was still jumping around, and you ate it. That's eidmerdakai. But the brothers tying it back was, no, we have, we're, we have a din of Yisrael, so the shechita that we did is a proper shechita, therefore it's considered dead. So they were arguing, did they have the lachas of, of, of a ben Yisrael or a ben Noyach? So again, the point that we're seeing from over here is that the brothers definitely did have tire, that, 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 that according to the first two pshatim that we brought from the, uh, from the Archaim and the Tzipporah, how they, the arguments that they wanted to kill Yosef was based on tire. And we see from the Prashas Drachim, uh, a little bit of a different concept. That was the argument, the essential argument that was between Yosef and the brothers was based on their understanding of Allah. But how can we say that they didn't have any Torah? Of course they had Torah. 
So what does it mean? Anybody might. So the Rebbe explains an interesting idea. He says, in the Gemara Tanya of Zion Amar Aleph, it tells us that why is Torah compared to water? To tell you, just, just like water leaves Amak and Guvaya and goes down to Amak and Ramach, similarly, Divrei Torah is only Miskayim, is only could last by someone who's daita is Shreila, someone who has humility. So Torah is only Miskayim of those who have humility. Thus says that when the Torah is being compared to water, that's not referring to the chefs of the Torah itself, that the Torah is like water. Rather, it's telling us about the person who's receiving Torah. How is the person able to receive the Torah? He's only able to receive the Torah if he takes the Torah uh, as water, meaning is that he has the bitl. So when the Torah is being compared to water, it's trying to tell you that just like water, how does water come to you? Water comes downwards from the place which is high to the place which is low. So similarly, how are you able to be maskan? How could the Torah come to you and stay with you? That's only if you treat the Torah with humility. You treat the Torah uh, with, with, with water, that you are like water, that you are having the humility, and that when you have the humility and when you learn the Torah, then the Torah will be able to um, stay with you. So according to that, we can understand by Acha Yosef. When the Medrash says that they didn't have Mayim, it doesn't mean they didn't have Tyre. It means they didn't have the Bithel of Tyre, at least relative to their Darga. They were a Tzaddikim, so relative to the level of, um, of, of, of Bithel that they should have had, when they were judging, there was a lot of their own interest, self-interest involved in that particular court case that they had against their brother. They didn't have the proper level of Bithel relative to their Madrega, and therefore there was a, a bias which was involved in the Tyre, and therefore they passed Kinwan. So this that they sold Yosef was the wrong thing. So therefore, they didn't have water, and therefore that's what caused Yosef to be sold. But regarding, so that answers the second question we have. But let's go back to the first question. Our first question was that we said that when you don't have water, so, like there's two, two parts of the Medrash. The second part of the Medrash is that the Sirkid Barishel Yaakov, that the brothers didn't have water, which means they didn't have the Bithel. The first part of the Medrash, and also the Gemara says that when you don't have water, when you don't have this Bithel of the Torah, automatically you have the snakes and the scorpions, meaning that which is against the Torah. So that question is not answered. On the contrary, it makes it even stronger. Because over here, we're saying that even if you have Torah, if you don't have the Bithel of Torah, automatically there's snakes and scorpions. So the question is stronger than that. Originally, we were saying is if you don't have Torah, automatically you're against the Torah. And we get asked why. Now we're saying is that even if you have Torah and you spend your time learning and, and learning the Torah, you're still against the Torah if you don't learn Torah with the proper bittal. What? You could learn Torah, but you don't have the le- proper level of bittal. Therefore, automatically, it means you're against the Torah. The Rebbe explains an amazing idea. The Rebbe says like this. It says, and, and I'll give you a little haddamah before I tell you the Rebbe's part, is that when you have two people, the only way for you to understand somebody else is, as I say, you have to walk a mile in his shoes. There needs to be a certain level of bitl to be able to empathize with another person. If all you could see is yourself and you could only project your own uh, fears, your own weaknesses, your own motives onto someone else, then what happens is you look at someone else and you see someone doing something or you're listening to him, what you're doing is you're just translating his motives or what he's saying based on how you would do it. So it's called self-projection. So you're not really understanding another person. A proper therapist or a proper friend, what they're able to do is they are able to put themselves completely on the side and they are totally bottled to the person in that moment that whatever the person's doing, they're trying to understand how what he's saying, what he's feeling, what his intentions are, what his motives are. So that's how it is between two people. So when we're talking about a Yid and Hashem, that's of course Hashem's free goal, it's infinite. 
It has to be a complete level of bittel for, for us to be able to understand what Hashem wants. So the Rebbe explains like this, that the idea of Torah, the essence of the Torah is, is to connect to Hashem. The Indian of Torah is to be able to be in to the nice in the Torah, to connect to the, the giver of the Torah. When we're tr- learning Torah, we're trying to understand what Hashem's Ratzin is. What does Hashem want? What's Hashem's Chachma is? So, it's not, so the purpose of Torah is not just you're, you're reading something for knowledge. No, what you're trying to do is you're trying to connect Hashem to understand what Hashem wants and what Hashem's Chachma is, what Hashem's Ratzin is. So the only way to be able to connect to Hashem who is believable, who is infinite, and learn the Torah properly, meaning is how, what Hashem truly wants, is only if there's Bittu. If you're looking at the Torah with your own biases and your own self-projection, then you're not learning the Torah properly. Bechlal, how could a human being learn the Torah? It's only because Hashem gave us the capability that if we're Bakal, Hashem will give us the capability. He says that if you're Bakal and put yourself on the side, He gives us the capability to understand the Torah, to understand what Hashem's Ratzin is. That's why it says by Beishan and Beisilo, the Lacha was always like Beisilo. It says, why the Gemara says, because they were Shfei that they were humble. Why is humility the lachas like them because they they were humble. It says yes because when you're humble, then you're able to connect to what the ratzon of Hashem is. That's why we say in Shemayin Esri it says nafshi ka'afer lecholti absachli b'desar sacha. My nafesh can be like offer, open my heart to Torah. Look at the connection. Since you should be like dirt, and then open up my heart to Torah. What's the connection in between the first part of the phrase and the second part of the phrase? But now we can understand that. It says how can you have absachli b'desar sacha? How could you open the heart to our hearts? To Hashem's Torah, to Torah's Chav, to Hashem's Torah, meaning the bleak vul, the infinite quality which is in Torah, that's only if you're, you're, you're like offer, you're like dirt that everyone's stepping on, meaning is that there's a complete level of bitl. So once you have that bitl, then you can have the second part of Torah, which is Yagaita. You need to work with your mind to understand the Torah. So the prerequisite for Torah is bitl. To understand that it's not your Chachma, this is Hashem's Chachma, which is bleak vul, that it's completely above you. When you approach the Torah, recognizing that this is Hashem, this is Hashem's um, wisdom and Hashem's Ratzin, when you approach the Torah with that, with that complete bittal, then you could have the Yagaita using your mind to understand what Hashem wants. And so so then, then the mind is being tra- trained in, in the right direction. So Al-Pizeh, we could um, understand the Dvar Tmua, the Rebbe says, that the Halacha is, what's the main part of, of Torah, Lachaira? The main part of Torah is understanding the Torah. So as a person that just reads Tarsh Valpet, even if you're reading it, you're doing the mitzvah. But Tarsh Valpet, as someone who just uh, reads Tarsh Valpet, um, but he doesn't understand what he's, what, he, what he's saying, he's just reading it as, as words. He, he didn't do the mitzvah of learning. Tarsh Valpet means you have to understand what you're learning. The mitzvah of Kamu is to understand what you're learning. So therefore he says there's something very interesting. It says someone who's Mahara, if you just think in Divertai, which is so far the main part, the main part of Torah is to understand, it's a wisdom, it's a seichel to understand, uh, you know, you're learning Shachar, what is the Halacha saying? So the main part is to understand what the Halacha is. This is if you're Mahar B'divrei one, you don't need to make a bracha. Two, meaning Birchus Torah. Two, that in a situation where you're able to say the words of the Torah, you're able to be Moitzis B'tzvah, you're able to articulate the words of the Torah, and you don't articulate them, the Halacha is that you're not Yoytzi Yochiv Lomaratem so you have an obligation to learn Torah, you're not fulfilling it if you're able to articulate it and you don't. Meaning is, you're in a, if you're in a bathroom or a place where it's dirty, then you're not allowed to articulate. If you're walking in areas where it's a uh, bathroom, you're not allowed to think about Torah anyways. But if you're in a mocking, which you're allowed to think, but you're not allowed to speak, then, you're, then you think and you don't speak the words. But most places, we're able to speak the words of Torah. Um, in a situation where we're able to talk, then you have to say the words of Torah. 
And if you don't, you're not yet to your chiv. A third thing is, it says in the Gemara that the Havana, the understanding of the Torah, in order for it to stay by you, that Meskayan, that it will actually remain, only comes if you articulate the Torah. It says in the Gemara, and this is in Erevin, Dr. Dal, it says, it, The Gemara tells us that those who, who does the Torah uh, stay with and give him life to, those who are Meitzi'ehan, that's life to those who find the Torah. The Gemara says, don't we those who find the Torah, but those who are Meitzi'ehan, those who are Meitzi'ehan, those who articulate the Torah. So the Gemara is saying, how will it be Meskayan and give you life? That's only if you articulate in the mouth. And the Gemara over there also tells us about Ruria, the wife of a mayor, that she saw a Talmud learning twine and she kicked him. And she told him that only if the Torah is a Rucha Be'emach Avara, that only if the Torah is uh, set up in all of your 248 limbs, is it Eitlim in the sky. But if you don't articulate it, then it's not going to be um, a Rucha, it's not going to be set and organized in the 248 limbs. And Marshal explains what that means is that when a person learns Torah with a curl, with a voice, that's a loud voice, that vibrate, causes his whole entire body to vibrate. So the Torah only stays if the Torah revibrates throughout your entire body, uh, then it will be Meskayim. Why? Chayra, the Devaratimu is like this. Since the main part of Torah is the understanding of the Torah, to understand what Hashem's Ratzin is, to understand Hashem's Chachma, why is it so important that you should articulate it? But you can't say a bracha, you know, it's your chiyev, and even the, the etz and inyan that the Torah should stay with you. The havan of the Torah that you understood in your mind won't even last unless you articulated the path. Why? But according to what we explore, what we explained, that the essence of Torah is that we're trying to connect to Hashem, and Hashem is bleedful, Hashem is infinite, and we're finite beings. So be'etzim, we don't have a connection to Torah unless there's this bittel. The bittel is what reveals your neshama, that the neshama is, is one with Hashem. Hashem gave us the ability that through the bittel we're able to reveal the etzim ha-neshama, the etzim ha-neshama is one with Hashem. Therefore, that's the neshama, the neshama is able to understand the Torah. So by just understanding in your mind, that's just, that's what your brain, that's, that's your, your metzius working. Like, how much do I understand? So, A, a person can start, you can have the bittel before he learns. But the Rebbe is telling us it's not enough just having the bittel, recognizing that this is the Chachm Hashem before you're learning. The Gemara is telling us that at the time of learning itself, there needs to be the bittel. How can you have the bittel at the time of learning? You're not being misbinding about the greatness of the Torah when you're learning. Before you learn, you know, you, let's say that the expression of Hasidus explains that the, the, you're supposed to daven and then you learn. Why? Because when you're davening, that brings the bittel. And then when you learn afterwards, you're learning with bittel. So bittel, the misbinding is the bittel is always before you're learning. But how do you have the bittel while you're learning itself? You have to be focusing with your mind to understand what's being said. So the way how you have to bittle at the moment of learning is being by 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 articulating the title. Why? The reasoning is because when a person is just utilizing his mind, then it's all about how he's understanding. It's how my mind understands the title. That's the greatest part of the person is his mind. So it's all about his nitzias. When he starts using his mouth and when it vibrates throughout his body, what he's doing is he's causing it to be lowered. Like the Torah has to be like water. That's the only way for it to be misguided is when the Torah is being lowered from the mind to the rest of the body. So when it's in your mind, that's really where it's in the Makam Govaya. That's the high spot within you. And that's the most of you, Matthias. When you start 
articulating with your, your mouth, which is something that you don't need. Why you, your mind is able to think about the idea much deeper. But when you're saying it, that seems like a waste of time. When you're writing it down on a piece of paper, again, you're using your body. That, that lechayra is, you're lowering it into a few words. You're taking the chachma that is particularly clear in your mind, and then you're putting it into words, physical words. That's lowering the tire. But after, through that, it, that's the way how it's being the sky. As explained in Hasidus, which is very interesting, is like when we think about it, saying the words of Torah shouldn't, you know, even if you want to say, you know, it's a mitzvah, Hashem wants us to say the words. Uh, you know, Hasidus explains that when you articulate the words of Torah, that's what causes the beer of the beer of Tachtainim. You're being the varer, that kimitzvah, that how the nice thing you do, the action and the action which, was, which causes the beer. So you can think that, okay, the reason why I have to say the words is because of a, of a side in me, that I have to make a beer of Tachtainim, that's through articulating the words of Torah. So that's a certain level of bittel, that I'm not just focusing on myself, um, but I'm also focusing what Hashem wants. So there's a bittel over there that this is what Hashem wants, that the word should be said in order to make the idea of But the truth is, it's more than that, because this explains that by, and we can see this push, that when a person articulates the words of Torah, he actually understands it better. But when you write it down on a piece of paper, in your own words, in your own words, right, so again, you're lowering it. You're not using the words of the Torah, of the Gemara, of the Halacha, you're putting it in your own words, so you're lowering the Torah. Dafka through that is it really becomes an opinion in you. That's how it's Messiah. That's how you truly understand it. And then when you're writing it, and then it's, it's able to be Makuyim when it's in your own words. Such an interesting idea. How it is in its pristine state, like how you under, A, how you're reading it from the source, B, at least how you're understanding it, how it's being said in the source. That's not enough. That won't be Messiah. It's only when you articulate it or write it down, then it's going to be Messiah. When you're lowering it to like how you understand it into your own words, that's how it's, it lasts. And that's what that's explaining Hasidus, that when a person speaks, it actually gives a much greater understanding of the concept being said. Why? But according to what we've been explaining, it makes sense. It's because the Torah is the etzim higher than us. So Hashem tells us that where, how are you able to connect it to yourself? There needs to be the bittal, recognizing that this is something which is above you. So when you're putting it into your own words, you're writing it down, you're, you're, what you're saying is this is something which is above me. I can't just understand it by a cursory glance or even thinking deeply about it. I, I need to be able to write it down. I need to be able to put it into words. Through that, um, um, it's what seems like what I'm lowering the Torah, what I'm really doing is I'm lowering it to myself because you recognize that it's above you and therefore it has to be put into your own words that you could have some type of understanding. So it's, it's the recognition basically of your own shiftless of your loneliness, that the only way for you to be able to grasp with it is if you put it down another level, put it down to where you are. So by saying the words, it's, it's a recognition, or at least, you know, maybe, maybe subconsciously, at least, that how it is on its own, I can't grasp it. I, I have to put it into my, into lower it down to my own words. Then I can understand it to, to a certain level. So that's even a bit And we also, Lechayr explained, there doesn't say this, but we know that it says that when we speak the words of Tyra, says that you learned a lot from your Rebbeim, even more from my Chaverim, and the Tamida Yismakulam, my students I learned the most from. So why? Because when, when you're lowering it to your Talmud, you're lowering it to the lowest level. That's when it's Mishkayim V'yatcha the most. So the more you lower the Torah, the more there's the Bittal of the Torah, the, the more it's going to be Mishkayim by you. So it's fascinating. The more Bittal there is, the more the lowering of the Torah, the more that you treat the Torah like water, then the more it's able to stay by you. So by the students, when you're lowering it the most, because you're trying to understand how they would 
grasp it. That's when you have the greatest grasp of the Torah. And um, the Rebbe brings down Ha'ar over here, R28, that the Rebbe says that, uh, this is from the Kutisichus, that he says, why is a person called a Medaber? The a person should be called a Barsechel. A person is called a Medaber means a speaker. Doesn't, doesn't seem like the greatest mile of person that he's able to speak. The greatest mile is that he has a mind. So he says over there, because the deeper expresses the true uh, essence and, uh, and pshittas of the nefesh, that is higher than the mitzvah sa'adam. Therefore, you're able to connect to another person. That what's the greatest quality of a person is that you connect to someone else. Your mind is how you understand it. The other person has a mind, that's how he understands something. So there's always a, a separation between you and your friend because you both understand things differently. So how are you able to have a, a agreement? How are you able to communicate ideas? I understand it one way, you understand it something else. So you can never really communicate. There's always going to be a separation. So the way is that you, you, you go back to the essence of your neshama, that the dibor, this ability to be able to connect to someone else who's really different than you, because you have your limitations, he has his limitations, how can they connect? So the word is that dibor has the power to remove the boundaries, remove the boundaries that you have and the boundaries that your friend has. And that, he says, comes from the pshitas of the nefesh, the pshitas of the nefesh, that you and your friend are one. So therefore, since in the pshitas of the nefesh, you and your friend are one, therefore you're able to go back. And what the deeper does is it goes back, back within the nefesh and is able to find a commonality, is able to find a connection to this person. So you can't communicate with somebody you have no connection with. What deeper does is it's really a power of the person to be able to find connections with others. That, and that ability comes from the pshitas of the nefesh. So that explains even on a deeper level, why Dibur is so important when you're learning Torah. Because what Dibur is doing is that you're being levakal, you're seicho. And what you're really doing is you're, go, you're, you're going back to the pshitas of the nefesh. So you're removing your limitations, the seicho. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to go back to the nefesh, which is one with Hashem. And when you're one with Hashem, then you're able to be able to understand the Torah. Why? Because the, the pshitas of the nefesh and Hashem is one. So therefore, you're able to understand other people. And by Hashem, that would also give you the capability to be able to understand the Torah. So now we could go back and we, we understand the, the, the Shiloh we asked, that it says if you don't have Torah, if you don't have Mayim, automatically you have Nechash and Rakhram. So the question is why? Just because you don't have Bithel, automatically you're against the Torah? The answer is yes. Because the Torah is Bliglo. The Torah is above you. There's no way for you to understand it unless you have the Bithel. So when a person doesn't have the Bithel, and he learns the Torah, he's not learning the Torah properly, he's learning the Torah incorrectly. So when every time you're learning the Torah, you're learning the Torah not what Hashem wants. You are translating Hashem's rats in a way that he doesn't want. That's what it says in the Gemara, that, that whoever has Yashus, whoever is a Baal Gaiva, Hashem can't dwell with him. It's like he's being for Be'ikr. Why? The reasoning is because once you're your, your own Mitzias, as we said from the Baal Shem Tif about the idea of the Vaidazar, but who did is this idea of Torah? How can you connect to the Torah only when there's Bithel? When there's your own Mitzias, then it's how you're understanding, how your Seichel's understanding. It's, it's not the Pshitas of the Nefesh that's trying to understand this Torah. It's, it's your own mind. And then you're learning Hashem's Ratan and Hashem's Chachma in the wrong way. And that's what happened to the Achayesis. Since they didn't have the proper Bithel, what happened? They did the opposite of Hashem wanted. They were Menaga the Torah. The halacha was that they weren't supposed to kidnap Yosef, and they kidnapped Yosef. So when they learned the Torah, they learned the Torah wrong. They were, uh, uh, the rabbi doesn't use this lashon, so but other times we see an expression that says, someone could be a, a maneuver with Shusha Torah. That person acts like a maneuver 
with the permission of the Torah, meaning he finds some type of heter, which is the opposite of what Hashem wants, in order to get really what he wants. So he's utilizing the Torah as a tool to get what he wants. So also over here, since the brothers did not have the set of proper bittle, so then they were doing the opposite of Hashem's Ratzon was. They were monogamy to the Ratzon of the Torah. So now we could also understand uh, two other things. One, how this is connected to Mount Torah, and also how this connects to Chanukah. So first of all, we know that this, that the 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 goals in Mitzrayim and Tzitz Mitzrayim was all Hadama to serve Hashem on the mountain. So the purpose of Golos Mitzrayim and Golos Mitzrayim was eventually for the Yidin to receive the Torah. So it's understood that any part of the story which brought the Yidin down to Mitzrayim, it's part of the, the, the preparation for Mount Torah. So this story of Yosef and his brothers is also a preparation. How is this a preparation? Because of the lack of water that they had, they didn't have the proper bittel, that's what caused the Golos Mitzrayim. And of course, through being in Golos Mitzrayim and the whole story with Yosef and his brothers eventually making peace and the Yidin being Mitzrayim, that all prepared them have the bittle, the slavery, I'd all help them have the bittle that they would need eventually to um, connect, to, to get the Torah. Uh, and therefore it also tells us that it says that Hashem was teaching Moshe that, uh, that Hashem was, when Moshe was learning the Torah, he, he kept on forgetting it. So why? Why was Moshe keep on forgetting the Torah? So the, so the vart over here is, The Vort, why Moshe kept on forgetting the Torah, says he kept on forgetting until Hashem gave it to him as a gift. What, what's the Vort of there that he kept on forgetting it until Hashem gave it to him as a gift? It's because it's ultimately something which is above him. It's a fever of bleak wool and wool. So the only way for you to get this fever of bleak wool and wool is only by Hashem giving it to you. So the Tchilai Moshe learned Once Hashem gave it to him as a gift, Ah, Hashem gave it as a gift. Now you're able to connect it. And that's really how every you connect to the Torah. It's because Hashem gave it as a gift. But even though Hashem gave it as a gift, now we have the capability. But Hashem gave it as a gift, but He gave it with a tonight. But you have to have the bittle. So Hashem gave it to us, and so we do have the capability to connect, but there's still our part that we have to have that bittle. Because Hashem doesn't want to just give it to us in a way that it's, as I say, that it's like an embarrassing bread. It's bread that you get for free. That Hashem wants the, 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 the the, the, the toil, the, the, the kav, that the person puts his own energy into the Torah and then he's able to understand it. So the energy is that bittle that he needs to have. And now we can understand the connection to Hanukkah and how this whole sugya of the water and the brothers not having water is connected to Hanukkah. What was the main Indian of Hanukkah is that the Yavanim were okay with the Yidin learning Torah. What they wanted to do is they wanted them to learn the Torah, but don't say that it's Hashem's Torah. They're okay with them, Hashem, them doing the mitzvahs. But just don't say that it's Hashem's mitzvah. In other words, what they did is they were made the oil tummy. The, the oil is the chachmas of Torah. And what they did was they made it tummy. How do you make the Torah tummy? How do you make the oil tummy? It's by disconnecting the Torah from Hashem. So therefore, the nace of Hanukkah was that they found the pack of pure oil, of tarhadika oil, meaning that they were able to connect to the Torah in a way that it was pure. Which that explains the famous question of the Pnei Yeshua. He asks, why did Hashem need to do a miracle that the jug of oil lasted for eight days? There's a halacha that if all the oil is tameh in the base of Middash, then tumah hutu b'sibur. That tumah, if everything's tameh, then it becomes permissible uh, in, in, in the tzibur. That the tzibur is able to bring the, uh, the oil even when it's tameh. For example, when all the yidin are tameh, say by the Korban Pasach, the rule is that they, then they bring the Korban Pasach to tumah, but the whole tzibur is tameh. 
If all the kalim are tame, then they would bring the carbon pass up with tame dika kalim. So also the year, since the menorah, uh, the oil of the menorah was tame, and they didn't have anything else, the halacha would have been that they would have had to have brought the tame dika oil. That's probably what they were planning. The first day we'll use tar oil, and tomorrow we'll use the tame dika oil. And the point of there was a miracle that lasted for eight days, but why? Why did Hashem need to do such a miracle? Uh, they could have just used tame dika oil. But the reason is because this is the whole mace of Hanukkah. The whole mace of Hanukkah is that they were able to fight against the Yavanim. The Yavanim wanted them to use Tamei Dika oil. And the Yidin were fought against them and realized that you need to have Shaman Tahar. So therefore, Hashem made a miracle that the Shaman Tahar would last, because that's symbolic of what the Ness was, that the Yidin would always have Shaman Tahar, that they realized that the Shaman is the Shaman of Hashem. And that's what Shem and Tahar is, and that's why this connects to the Indian of Hanukkah, because the whole Indian of Hanukkah is this Indian of Shem and Tahar. And that's why it says that the Ner Hanukkah's, the Pesach Basin of the Chutz, it has to be <coughs> on the outside. And, and, and you're able to light the Ner until it's Tichla, Rigla the Tamidoi, until the merchants, which are called, the, the, are still in the streets. And by the, the merchants, says the idea of Mardoi comes to the idea of Mardoi, those who rebel against Hashem, that through them seeing the menorah, the light of the menorah transforms them and gets rid of this that they're rebe- uh, rebellious. So it's tifla means it destroys the feet of those who are against Hashem, meaning is it the vatal, the evil, the ra, the tuma, which is in the world, and brings the world to a place of purity. And then ula yeshleimer, this is my own vark, this maybe connects to the, to get, make it more of a pratis, how it connects to the prior gemara, the prior Gemara says, the Vart does that if you have the Menorah above 20 Amas, it's not Yetzeh. So why? So the reason is because people can't see it. Meaning is the whole point of the light is to be able to shine the darkness. When it's too high, no one can see it. Therefore, it doesn't, it's not being, it's, it's not shining. It's not being there in the Chutz. That's the Vart. That there has to be Pursuma Nisa, that people are able to see it. So according to what we've been explaining, the whole purpose of the Ness, the whole purpose of Hanukkah is to be there in the Chutz. Is that bringing the bittel into the chutz? So maybe that's also Yeshlem or the, the, the connection dafka that's of you. Then when it's too high and it's not doing its purpose, then it's not that's not the vort of Hanukkah. The whole purpose of having the shemitar is to be able to purify the chutz.